Welcome to the Umpiring Fast Pitch Softball Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Pete. And today we're going to cover the plate mechanics from the USA Umpire Manual. We're going to be utilizing the 2023 Umpire Manual. And everything that we're going to talk about here starts in that manual on page 48. Today. Yep. Chapter 4. Page 48. So plate mechanics begin with calling balls and strikes and end with any required movement by the umpire to complete other duties. So that's a, that's a quote from the, from the manual. And uh, couldn't agree with it more. A uh, plate umpire who keeps these elements in perspective has a better chance of having a solid game behind the plate. And that's what we're, uh, as a plate umpire, that's what we're always after. I want to have a great game, a big solid game, uh, put myself in the best position to, to see the right pitches, uh, be in the right place to make the calls and things. So this starts with uh, your stance, Pete. You want to cover a little bit of the stance and how that, uh, how that works from the manual? Yeah. So specifically what it says, is, you know, the stance is the foundation of good plate mechanics. And the elements of a good stance are as follows. Your feet position. The umpire must set their feet with the heel of the foot closest to the batter in a straight line with the toe of the foot closest to the catcher. What's usually referred to as a heel-toe uh, stance. A lot of people say, you know, make sure you're standing heel-toe. Do this by setting your foot behind the catcher first and then squaring your shoulders to the plate. Then bring your foot behind the batter so that your feet are in heel-toe alignment, making sure that your ear closest to the catcher is lined up with the inside corner. Both feet should be turned slightly outward so that your knees are over your toes. On a right-handed batter, set your right foot first, then your left. On a left-handed batter, set your left foot first, then your right. This will provide the same stance on both a left-handed batter and a right-handed batter. Your feet should be at least shoulder width apart or wider, if comfortable, keeping in mind that you'll still have to move when needed. So this, that is how I do this as, as described. So I'll walk up. First thing you do is take your uh, on a right-handed batter, take your right foot, kind of line it up right there with the center of the catcher, and then take my left foot out. I kind of do a, a small little semicircle with my foot. I kind of just take it, I slart it. And, you know, they mentioned getting kind of square and then stepping forward. I kind of just make an arc where I just trace that path, but I go ahead and slant my foot so then I get there and then I end up in a heel punch. That's easy to kind of understand where I'm going. Yeah, there. I get you. And then, uh, and then uh, yeah, I get set exactly as described and then be ready to, to crouch. Yeah. And so that's what's part two is the set position. So before we move to the set position, though, I want to talk a little bit about adjustments that you might need to make to uh, that, that part of, of what Pete was just describing there. And that is uh, the first time through the lineup, you're not going to have this information unless you do these teams all the time. But um, sometimes you'll get batters that are um, they're crowding the plate. Yeah. And maybe they bend at the waist and they've got their, their elbows are, are blocking you. And so the, the perfect place to be, you know, as, as Pete said, you know, I'm going to start with, I'm going to put that foot right between or right directly behind the center of the catcher. Well, on, a, on some, some batters, you may have to start a little bit, maybe more to her right shoulder because you're, you're going to be above her head instead of beside her. So yeah. <clears throat> here in the set position, we'll talk about um, the slot and the umpire must start in the slot according to the mechanics manual. And that slot is defined as the position the umpire assumes prior to going set in which they are behind the catcher slightly inside the inside corner of the plate with your ear closest to the catcher lined up with the inside corner and outside the perimeter of the strike zone. So the, the, the idea of the slot is a fantastic one. It allows you to see the entire strike zone from the front right corner uh, and all the way back you know, to you unless the batter is in your way. And so right. uh, what you're going to be able to do is if the batter gets in your way is to stand up a little bit, you know, to raise yourself. If you're already set in that spot, you don't want to be moving around back there, you know, like you're dancing to Macarena or anything. So mm -hmm. 
you can go up a little bit. But the next time you see that batter step into the batter's box, if you're paying attention, you, you may want to set yourself a little bit further inside or you know, more on the plate uh, so that you can see over the catcher's head and, and around the batter. So you want to be careful about that. Uh, the second thing in set position, so first we'll start in the slot. The second thing is to have, have good pelvic alignment. This is absolutely crucial. And in all of the uh, clinics that I've ever gone to, this is an important piece that is, is pointed out tested and it's it's really about making sure that your pelvis is aligned uh, with the outside front corner of the plate yeah so we've, we've talked about that quite a bit we call it gpa uh, any anybody who goes to clinics you say gpa they know we're talking about good pelvic alignment and not grade point average and not, not grade point average yep uh, but what this does is it allows you to look down and through the strike zone yeah and then we uh we skipped over the last the second part i had skipped on my last one one of the rules there was make sure you're not too close or too far from the catcher you must see the complete plate and the ball from the pitcher's hand to the catcher's glove. Uh, that distance is important to go along with this good pelvic alignment because, as it mentions, look down and through the strike zone. If you are too far back, you can't actually see well the back part of the plate. You can't see the ball get there because the, the catcher will be obscuring the bottom half of your view. So yeah. you need to be close enough, not so close that um, there's no room for anyone to move, but close enough that you can look down and see uh, the out lower outside corner of the plate is would be the hardest thing to see. You want to see the upper outside and the lower outside as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's a good point on how far back not to be. Right, yeah. I don't want to be so far back that I can't see over the catcher. Uh, and then the the test for how far how how close are you or are you too close is uh, well if she goes over slides over to get a, a pitch that might be in the dirt is she going to truck you? Right. <laughs> so you don't you don't want to be trucked. It, it hurts. So yeah, don't do that. Um, so that then going set. Um, to, to going set at the start of the pitch. And this one's a tricky one. In the manual, it says, in fast pitch, this is when one hand is taken off the ball after the hands have been placed together because you're supposed to go set at the start of the pitch. Each pitcher is different, and the time you go set can vary accordingly. And yeah. this is a huge deal. I think I mentioned this in one of, my, uh, one of the previous podcasts that we did, but it was about the, the umpire moving right. while my pitcher was, was in the middle of her pitch. And uh, I certainly like it better if an umpire were to go set so that they are in their spot when my pitcher starts their, starts their pitch. So as it, as it indicates in the manual, it is a timing issue, and each pitcher is different. Mm-hmm. And I was just watching the, uh, the, one of the OU games in the Women's College World Series yesterday and watching a very experienced umpire behind the plate doing a fantastic job of getting set and not interfering with the pitcher. And uh, I loved it. I, I thought the timing of the umpire was, was fantastic. Yeah, and that's the, that's a hard thing is like you get if you're especially if you're doing long games. We're talking USA right now, and so you think about some of the summer games. You may have many games on a hot day. You don't want to sit there and be down in the set position for ever, right? And right. You know, and people talk about how difficult it is for catchers to do this stuff in and out to catch multiple games in a row, or whatever. But they are taking breaks in between, whereas we're basically catching every top and bottom of every inning back to back to back to back so you want to save your knees or save your back or save whatever you should be getting in a way that is most comfortable and allows that but you don't want to be holding that position forever so finding that timing of how do you know when she steps to the pitcher's plate how long before she begins her pitch some girls that's as soon as she steps on the plate it's make sure i get my one and go Right. right. Or it's other girls that sit there forever. Diddles. Take a big, yeah. take yeah. a big breath. Yeah. And, Think about yeah. it. Shake my head. Do whatever. <laughs> Shrug my shoulders. Look at my dad in the stands. <laughs> right. All this, you don't want to do that. So it's, it is finding that timing. And I know I've, I still, I'm probably not experienced enough to get that yet. Um, and I probably sometimes as they 
start their pitch. I might be just getting finally settled in and I try to try to find that, but I found that to be tough sometimes to not wait, not not be stuck waiting too long down. Sure. Yeah. And to your point, when I, you know, back when my daughter was a, a pitcher and, you know, I was counting pitches, even though it's not a by rule, you know, kind of make sure that they're not throwing too many pitches in a day or a weekend, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. You can expect 80 to 90, maybe even 100 pitches a game. And that's per side. Mm-hmm. So the umpire, the plate umpire is squatting 200 times in a, you know, hour and 15 minute game. You know, yeah. so that's a that's a long time if if you squat for too long. You know, it's it's not good. And along the lines of making sure that you're you don't get um, you don't get fatigued too quickly. Uh, e here on page forty nine says to be sure to bend at the knees, not at the waist. This allows your back to be straight with a slight tilt forward to bring your head into the proper position. This will reduce the pressure on your lower back and the top of your legs. So bending at the knees uh, will help you with that fatigue as well. The uh, also getting wider. So in yeah. USA mechanics here, because of the USA rule for uh, what, what is a strike is the, the front armpit. Um, so that's pretty high on a, on a batter. Um, mm-hmm. In comparison to NCAA rules, it's very high. Mm-hmm. Um, but so with that, though, the USA mechanic then is to get yourself set into that position where your eyes are at the top of the strike zone. Yeah. And um, if you're working a 10U game or maybe a 12U game and you're six foot four. Right. Um, that that's difficult. I was gonna say you're taller yeah, than so. I am, so you have further to go. Yeah, so we get wide uh, is is what you want to do there. You want to make sure that when you set your feet, you you get really wide so that you're not squatting as far. Um, that kind of that that's very helpful too. Yeah, I found that very helpful in in games where we've gone a long time. I will get wider and wider and wider, and it is actually easier. You may not think it's gonna be easier, it may sound more stressful or straining, but it's really not. Versus the alternative, getting wider. The, the only trick is if you get too wide popping up and running, you know, becomes more difficult the wider your legs are. You kind of have to do like a weird lean shuffle squirt and then like pop out of there. But it's not too bad. And then we talked about this just between ourselves before recording, talking a little bit about one of the the different stances. There's the, you know, the Jerry Davis slash modified Jerry Davis, which is hands like on your knees. Uh, And then so that using your your hands is a a brace between any strain being on your back versus being anywhere else. And, and, that, and I know NCAA, a lot of them do that kind of style uh, of doing it, locking in there and, and doing that. That's another way to relieve pressure. It is an accepted mechanic. So if you find your way, uh, I find it it can put your hands in a little bit of danger of getting hit. But if you're in the set position or you're in the slot position, well, the catcher should be blocking most of you. So even if you want to lean, lean more on the one that's more behind the catcher, get this other one down there but kind of tucked away a little if you can make a fist or something uh so you don't break a finger and that's not bad it's not yeah. a bad way to set off that yeah one of our um, uh, local umpires who was in the did one of the clinics um they have a, a set of knee guards that allow them to kind of tuck their hands in behind the yep. top of that knee guard to kind of help that a little bit most of the time my right knee is absolutely protected from the catcher uh, being there and um, that one doesn't doesn't get hit as much the left one almost impossible on a right-handed batter so you're you know pretty pretty good down there I do I however based on the level of play and um, the catcher's abilities uh, sometimes I will still go back to tucking my hands into the uh, into like my waistband area yeah. with a fist so that mm-hmm. Because I, you know, you get hit three or four times in a game, if, you yep. know, depending on the catcher. So. I have broken indicator. I've been struck by a foul ball and broke my indicator in my hand. Yeah. Uh, ouch. So yeah. So my hand hurt. The indicator was broken. And that's a left it. hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the one that was right-handed batter. Okay. Left hand is the exposed one. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 
So the, uh, the, the stance and the set position come together uh, so that we can be in the right position to call the pitch. And um, if, you, if you utilize those, there's some guidelines then that a plate umpire should follow to, to actually call the pitch. Pete, you can talk through a couple of those for us. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is, so calling a pitch is where the plate umpire puts the stance and the set position to work. As he said, you should follow these guidelines. You want to start the game or any time after the umpire has prevented a pitch from being delivered, the umpire should direct the pitcher to play ball. When you hold up play, hold up the hand opposite the batter with your palm facing the pitcher. When you're ready for them to pitch, point at the pitcher and say play or play ball. At this point, it is imperative the umpire pick up the ball with their eyes while the ball is in the pitcher's hand. You then track the ball from the pitcher's hand to the catcher's glove or the ground. Tracking the ball is the act of watching the ball from the pitcher's hand into the catcher's glove using the slight movement of the head guided by the nose. Tracking is not an exaggerated head movement or just an eye movement. It is a movement of the nose, which simultaneously brings the head with the pitch as the eyes are locked on the ball. We'll kind of stop after that one. Uh, we've talked about nose to ball, I, I think, in previous podcasts. I know it's yeah. one I struggle with. I watch it. I don't maybe move my head as much as I should to like make the nose follow the ball. And so it's not always obvious to people who are watching. So the feedback I get from higher level umpires and at clinics a lot of times is more more nose to ball more nose to ball not exaggerated like snap my neck the pitch goes by and it looks like i'm watching nascar like my head no it's <laughs> it knows the ball but just it is a deliberate movement but it is not an exaggerated movement as it kind of points out yeah i got a really great feedback at a national uh, several years ago about uh being if you're down uh, where you're supposed to be level wise and mm -hmm. you're at the top of the strike zone and you actually do track the pitch and it's a high pitch the people watching, the audience, uh, will see your head go up. And if your head moves up slightly and you call it a ball because it was high, that you kind of sold it. You know, it's like yeah. I'm, I'm already at the top of the strike zone and my head went up. Oh, well, that's, those are hard to argue then at that point, you know. Yep. So I like that one. The um, What about your strike calls? So, yeah. So, it, yeah, first, so um, before the timing is important, right? So after the ball is in the glove or hits the ground, make sure you pause and then call the pitch. So this is another one. So I, when I'm umpiring and I'm calling a pitch, just like as if I'm hitting, I kind of, when I'm sitting there, if I'm hitting, right, a pitch comes in and I see a pitch, I start feeling like there's an alarm going off, like whoop, 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 got a swing, right? It's alert, alert, alert. I kind of feel that as I see a pitch coming. I'm like, ooh, 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 that's a strike. Ooh, ooh, and all the way in. But you got to let it be a strike. So let the pitch come in, in the glove, call it, right? That timing is, is yeah, or even a ball. Like, don't call ball too early because uh, you know what might have happened? Ball might have come by and then the girl swings at it late. Uh, or ball and it hits her. You call ball because it hit the ground, but then it hit the ground and then hit her. Yep. You know, so it's like, oh, you ball. And now, oh, hit by, take your base. Why did you say ball first? That's not dead ball. Just do the, what you're supposed to. Yeah. And if you'd have waited for the outcome of the, to actually happen, nobody's... Nobody's waiting on you. There's not a time here. You don't get a record for, oh, Pete called this pitch in 0.11 seconds versus 0.10 for David versus right. 0.20 for Mr. JV umpire down there. No, 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 no. Just take it, get a good good feel for it and call it. And so in that strike call, uh, what you want to do is from the down position, the strikes call should be elongated and made briskly and loudly. The umpire should then rise to a position without moving their feet and bring the right arm up to a 90 degree angle so the elbow can be seen with the umpire's peripheral vision. The fist should be closed with the palm facing the umpire's ear. A strong hammer adds certainty to your call and a swinging strike would just be a signal and so no verbalization. So I'm down, the pitch comes in, 
make your strike call, then stand up, then give your hammer. If the girl, that's Perfect. if it's a called strike. If the girl swung and missed, you just, you know, boom, stand up and now hammer. And that's, and that's that. With no exclamation, with yeah, no, no verbal or anything. Yeah. We have a friend of ours um, who struggles with that one sometimes, yeah. right? Yep. <laughs> so it was lots of fun to, to make, to have the post game with him about those. So strong hammer adds to the certainty of the call. Love it. Speaking of that, you know, we'll talk about that again on balls um, here in just a minute, but the, it's a forceful thing. Uh, a piece of feedback that I got was to hold my hammer just a little bit longer than I was. So you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to stick that hammer up there and then just drop it, you know, type thing. You want to stick it up there and make sure grandma in left field saw it and then, you know, then put it away. So yeah. I like it. Um, see, on, on the third strike, you want to give that strong verbal call, but then an initial, this says for further emphasis, if desired, verbalize the word strike three. I don't say strike three, but I do say three, but I, I didn't, I've always been instructed, not the if desired part. I have always been instructed kind of do something. There, there. is so, a, there is a strike three call. Yeah. yeah it needs and to be. Do that, yeah. Follow, uh, verbalize the word strike three. Uh, and then, yeah, for that point I do, there's an additional signal given. So it's, not just the hammer, so it's, you know, if it's called, it's like, and then stand up, hammer, and then I do an additional, I kind of pull, some people like pull a chainsaw or like one of the things, or bow. You do the bow. Yeah, yeah, pull it back, and that's three. So as I say three, so do it, and then three, and then, then it's, that's the call uh, for myself. What about you? Yeah, so mine um, is a, a sing, what we call a single movement one. And so uh, there's been some talk recently in some of the forums about, you know, a single movement, a double movement, that kind of thing. One of the things you must keep in mind is that no matter what you do, you want to make sure that you maintain your visual of the field. Yeah. So don't turn sideways. Don't do the spin around. Don't you know you've seen yeah. some of this stuff. If you don't turn away from the plate, uh, whatever whatever it is. And um, there's been some talk about single movement ones are are uh, preferred now mm -hmm. at, at this point. Uh, but I did see a sweet double one uh, in the. Women's College World Series this year too. It was it was really cool, and I've I've seen a couple people do it now. Where, you know, your sell out is kind of like the, a punch out, right? right. You're throwing the ball or whatever, mm -hmm. and they kind of incorporated that a bit of that movement into theirs as well. I thought that was really cool looking. But mine is mine's pretty much you know you call it while it's down. Um, a standard strike call for me is uh, I use the one from the USA YouTube videos. It's a yeah. type call. And then if it's the third one, I stand up and bring my right arm up at the same time to point directly over my head and just say three mm -hmm. and then stop. Um, so that's the end. So it's like three. Yeah. And that's it. Like so. you're throwing your hat in the air at graduation. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Like yep. that. Yep. Um, and then the only other thing mentioned here, uh, kind of strikey related, is the fact that for on a foul tip, the umpire should rise, brush the fingers of the right hand over the left hand, chest high in front of the body, body followed by the strike signal. This is actually one of my favorites. I don't know why, but I just yeah. enjoy doing this one. Uh, the importance being, of course, a foul tip is not a foul ball, and a foul tip is a live pitch. So you're indicating by doing this different motion, you're not both hands in the air, foul ball, dead ball, none of those things. No, it's that you're you're by making that additional movement. If you just came up and only hammered, they might think, oh, he's just calling a strike, but he's not he is not aware that the bat touch the ball at all but by doing that additional movement you're showing them yes i know the ball contacted it i heard it just like you did however the ball is still alive we're still playing i'm aware of it you know let's go on you've you know your your mechanics here signal the fact that you're aware of everything that just happened and you've communicated that information 
to both your partner, to the infield, to the spectators, to everyone, just by your mechanics alone. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, some of these can be pretty sweet, too. You see people with good timing. Um, you know, Mike's got a great uh, foul tip call, too, so if you ever get a chance to, to watch him. What about ball calls? Yeah, so balls, short and crisp. You know, they mentioned strike is kind of elongated. Uh, the ball call should be short and crisp and made in the down position. All your verbalizations, uh, except for that three, maybe made in the down position here and calling balls and strikes. Uh, use volume, indicate the closeness of the pitch. So, you know, a ball that's thrown in, it bounces at about 38 feet and rolls to the plate, ball, right? Everyone knows it's a ball. The catcher heard me say as I call the pitch, but like, and people nearby ball. But a ball comes in, it's about just an inch out of the strike zone, ball. You know, so short, like punchy, but you know, like more volume. So everyone yep. knows. No one's curious. Is he going to call a strike? Is this just a problem of him waiting his two seconds before his call? No. It's a ball. I saw it was a ball. It is a ball. Everyone knows it's a ball. Yep. Louder the better on the closer ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the pitch that rolled in, you did say ball. Do, do you call ball on every ball? Is there, is there a verbalization on every pitch? So, well, no, not if they swing at it. But, okay. Um, Good. Um, I... I've always been told, at least I think I've been told, that you should that every every pitch deserves a call. Yes, that's um, Although, I mean, I don't know. If someone throws it over the backstop. I kind of I might mutter "ball" as I'm like getting out of the way for the catcher to go get it, but everyone knows it's a ball. Yeah. I try to say it. Sometimes I know I probably don't, um, but I, I feel like yeah, it's rare. I, that I know the right those. thing to do is that every pitch deserves a call. Yeah. This is like the ones that are automatically foul. You know, yeah. when you're gonna. Are you really gonna say foul ball? Are you? You know that kind of thing. We yeah. actually discourage that uh, some too. So. That's great. Uh, what about giving the count? So, you know, how often do you give the count, Pete? Yeah. So personally, so before I, I read what's in this rule book here, um, point G, um, the way I do it is after three pitches, so the bat, at bat has started, if three pitches or three calls have elapsed, I will then give the count. So whether that's three and oh, one and two, two and one, you know, I will call the pitch there. And so by, by definition, I will also give the count if the next pitch is an action pitch. So if it was strike one, strike two, even though three pitches haven't occurred, I will give the count. Oh, you know, no balls, two strikes. However, if it's no balls, two strikes, and she fouls it off, I don't give the count again. Everyone knows it's 0-2. But if she fouls it off again, I might give the count again. Um, so like at that point, once we get to an action pitch, maybe every other pitch, if the if the action hasn't changed, you know, if it's two-two. I'll give 2-2, but then if it's a ball, I'll give 3-2. So that's just me. Um, the rule actually says, there are times when the count should be given, signaling the count is done by raising both arms above the head, indicating balls with consecutive fingers on the left hand and strikes with consecutive fingers on the right hand. Give both the number of balls and strikes every time the count is given. Rotate your hands, not your body, so everyone can see the count. So this doesn't actually give you a how frequently thing. It just says when you give it. So yep. when, how often do you give? Yeah, so for me, and I think this is about to be adjusted, so we'll, we'll find out. So I have two things I want to add here. Adjusted One by of, you, or you think the rule of the umpire may know is going to change? Well, so I'm about to head to an NCAA clinic uh-huh. uh, here in a couple of weeks. And just by watching the NCAA umpires in both, you know, our season at Otterbein and, you know, everything we're seeing on TV now, they give the count less than I give it. Yeah. So uh, like you, I give the count on every time there's going to be an action pitch. So 0-2 uh, or 3. So anytime there's two strikes or three balls, you're going to get the count. For me, I give it every time. So even if she fouls off the 0-2 pitch, I will say no balls, two strikes. Yeah. And fouls it out the next one. Because one of the reasons is that as a third base coach, I know that I had 
a lot going on in my brain. You know, I might be thinking about, oh, maybe I want to squeeze. Oh, maybe I want, you know, I've got a lot going on and I didn't register that the last one was 0-2 and she fouled it off, you know, kind of thing. So as the third base coach, I know I appreciate knowing that there's an action pitch here. So I, I go ahead and give it every time that there's a, that there's an action pitch or if it is three. So two balls, one strike, you're going to get it also because mm-hmm. there's been three pitches I haven't told said the count. So I'm going to do that. And most of that is because that's when batters ask. Yeah. You know, so it's like, well, that's when they needed to know. So I get that part. The other thing that I'll add, I love that it says here in the manual that you rotate your your hands. Yes. And so one of the things that I do and I've I've actually gotten compliments for it from coaches is that I will offset the distance from my body. So I've got both hands above my above my head or above my shoulders anyway, probably just a little bit above eye level. And so I might have three balls, two strikes here, and you're going to twist those, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to turn them so that they can, so that everybody can see them. I'm also going to just kind of offset a little bit so that my, my strikes are a little closer to my face and my, my balls are a little farther toward the pitcher, right? So, you know, they're offset so that now they're not blocking each other from a direct side um, view so that okay. the third base coach can now see both of those things rotate instead of my three balls got in the way of my, my two strikes there. He couldn't see them. Um, not everybody does that. It's certainly not required. Um, I do it kind of as a courtesy and make sure that everybody can see it. But you don't want to be doing the stuff that you've seen in the past where you take the three balls and two strikes and you show them to the third base coach, you show them to the pitcher, and you show them to the first base coach. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. And it also says, just as far as, so if we're going to follow the manual, it mentions consecutive fingers. So why is that important? Um, when you give three, don't give three by holding your whole hand up and putting down your ring finger, for instance, right? So you've got like pinky, ring is down, pointer and middle are up. You know, so that's that's not three. Three is any three. Mine is uh, pinky, ring, and middle. So I, can, I make an okay symbol kind of with my left hand because my pointer finger and my thumb are holding my indicator in my hand. Uh, and then I'm holding a three up like that, that way, making the okay symbol right. kind of. But you should do it with three. Don't hold down. You know, don't do two by holding down and making like a Spider-Man or an I love you kind of symbol with your hand. Two is two fingers in a row by manual. So I've seen people do it the other way, but just, I mean, that's not what the manual says. Yeah. What about the timing on when you give the count? When do you give the, when do you give it? So now you've decided it's, it's three balls, no strikes. I'm going to give the count. Yeah. When do I give the count? I give the count basically immediately after the pitch. So the catcher has thrown the ball back to the pitcher. Uh, typically, I will try to do it. The pitcher has not yet mounted the pitcher's plate. I'll give the count then. But I want her generally looking at me. Yeah. Um, and then I'll give it before that. So that way, um, because I have to give the count, and then I have to get in the slot, and then I have to get set. So I don't want to be giving the count two seconds before she throws the pitch. And then now I've, I'm behind getting set, and I'm you know distracting her with waving fingers yep. and and then I think you mentioned it, but I want to—I just kind of want to put an emphasis on this. It's three balls, no strikes. Three balls, one strike. Two balls, two strikes. Yeah. It's not two-two. Right. Full. Good point. Um, you know that kind of thing. So it's—it's it's give the number of balls, give the number of strikes, rotate the hands so that the, they can be seen, and then put them down. I love the timing. I love it to to try to get the pitcher to be looking at me, mm-hmm. and then I'll give the give the count. A lot of times batters are impatient. They don't want to wait on the pitcher. They'll ask. Yeah. Is it, is it two-two? Yeah. Yes, it's two two. You know that kind of thing. I've heard umpires in the past say, "Yeah, I'm going to give it in a minute." You know, yeah. stop asking. You know, no, she asked. Tell her. You know. Yeah. Well, a lot of times when I'm asked, I will then give the account, quote unquote, officially in the main, the means and manner that we're describing. So if the batter asks what the count, I might say, depending on how how far away I am from giving it. So if she asks like the second 
say the ball went to the fence, right? And she wants to know the count. I wasn't ready to give it because it was going to go back to the pitcher. I'll be like, yeah, it's 2-2. But then I will, two balls, two strikes. So it's like, I don't want to give the batter information. Everyone should keep track of everything else. But I kind of give everyone the information at the same time or make yeah. sure everyone has it. So if I told the batter or if a coach asks, if I hear the coach over there, be like, what's the count, Blue? I won't look at him and say, it's 3-2. I will then say, what's the count, Blue? And I'll go, it's three balls, two strikes to, yep. the, to the field. Get everybody up. Yeah. Yep. yep. All right, last, H on page 50. Uh, after every pitch, step out, relax, reset, and restart the process. So this whole idea of stance, mm-hmm. get set, pitch comes, call the pitch, you know, you know that kind of thing. The important one here, in my opinion, is relax. So each time after every single pitch, step back out, take a breath, relax a minute, do your pre-pitch planning. Where's my runners? You know, what happens on a ground ball? What happens on a fly ball? All of that kind of stuff. Step in and uh, start the process all over again. All right. Great stuff there, Pete. Uh, So next episode, we're going to talk about uh, movement from behind the plate and then difficult situations uh, as part of the plate mechanics from the USA manual. Yep. Sounds great. I mean, this is actually, this is important. This is the the kind of the core of umpiring um, fast pitch softball. There's a lot of games when you were working one man. So this is, this is the thing. Every game, not every game has a base empire, but every game has a plate empire. So this is kind of the foundations of what we need to build on. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. See you next time.